Aloha, good morning, good evening, <laughs> good afternoon to everybody. My name is Jürgen Steinmetz, and I'm joining you from Livestream.travel and eTurbo News in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, today we're connecting to the world uh, through World Tourism Network, and uh, we'll be talking to Mr. Cuthbert Nikubi, and I will explain in a minute who Cuthbert is. And we also have, of course, my co-host Peter Tarlow, and uh, we all, and we are, we have uh, Mr. Alain Saint Ange joining us from the Seychelles, and the many of you. This will be an interactive session. It's meant for a Q and A. That means um, after uh, our initial introduction uh, for everybody, you can ask questions. You can be part of this discussion uh, because we have important issues to discuss, and these issues are Corona how it is to go through Corona if you get it, what, what you can do to keep effects minimum. We're talking about masks and we're talking about anything what is close to you um, in regards to beating this awful virus. Um, World Tourism Network is a member organization. You can join us if you're not a member yet, you can go to wtn.travel and become a, one of our um, supporters. We have currently members in 127 countries around the world, and uh, we're leading the rebuilding.travel discussion. And we work very closely with the African Tourism Board. Actually, our organization emerged out of the Project Hope initiative from the African Tourism Board. And the most important person in the African Tourism Board, of course, is the chairman. And the chairman is Cuthbert Nikobi. Before we go to Cuthbert, I wanted to say um, also hello uh, with, to Peter Tarlow, Dr. Peter Tarlow. He's joining us from Texas. He's our co-host. And uh, Peter, uh, why don't you open this and then we're, we're going to go to Cuthbert because Cuthbert um, just is still recovering from a fairly serious version of um, uh, COVID. We have not really talked to Cuthbert or literally heard from him for the last two weeks. This is his first attempt. And Cuthbert, anytime you don't feel well, feel free to leave this meeting because we're definitely, one thing we don't want to do, add to anything what could make it worse for you. But I really appreciate so much you're part of this because this is such an important discussion and I think so many people can learn from you. But before we get to you, Peter, you have the opening. Thank you and uh, good afternoon from Texas. Good morning to Hawaii. Good evening to Africa. Um, good night if you're in the Seychelles or any place else in the world. Um, yes, I agree with uh, Jurgen. This is a very, very important session. Um, we often talk about means of preventing, but we don't have the opportunity very often to speak to someone who's gone through the illness and come out on the other side. And um, we're going to be hearing from Mr. Ngrubi. He um, had a really serious case of COVID. Uh, he can tell us a little bit about his experiences. And then what we will do is uh, two of us who have gone through the process of being vaccinated are going to talk a little bit about the vaccine side. Then we'll have a chance to talk about ways to not get COVID. And of course, the conversation will then be open to anyone who wants to um, add, ask questions, or tell us something about their own experience. So I don't want to take much of Cutberg's time because he's the guest of honor today. And um, I'm going to pass the baton over to him. Tell us a little bit about how you discovered that you had um, COVID, what it was like, 
what um, were some of your fears and um, how, I know you're still recovering, so what the recovery process has been like. That's a whole bunch of stuff to have to do. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Dr. Peter. I really appreciate uh, uh, your co-host, Yegen, and uh, my president, Elaine, and, and all the team. It's so good to see you once again. And um, by God's grace, uh, like, like you, as you have indicated, that uh, it, hasn't been, um, it hasn't been an easy journey, especially the the second variant uh, that is actually sweeping across uh, the continent of Africa. And I know that quite a lot of good men could not make it, uh, that to fall along the wayside. And I believe that uh, by God's grace, our lives are in God's grace. He has really uh, made it possible. I have crossed the troubled waters and I can safely say now that I'm definitely back into my recovery uh, because the second variant, I mean, the, the experience I had, it really eradicates your, 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 uh, your appetite. And, and, <clears throat> and also it, it affects your, 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 your lungs, your breathing and so forth. And I would like to gladly also indicate that uh, the first day I, I, I actually uh, realized that uh, I was uh, positive, I was actually preparing for my journey to Ivory Coast, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, where I had uh, some engagements uh, with the Minister of Tourism and the other business um, uh, personnel there. Unfortunately, it is a prerequisite that you will have to go through the process of testing. I went there without any symptoms, I mean, excited. And uh, after my, 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 my test, uh, that took about a day or so, when I went for my results, I was, uh, I was, I was surprised to realize that I was declared positive. And, and, and that on its own, I'm sure it really affected my whole system. That's when I started to have symptoms of flu. That's where I started having symptoms of coughing. And uh, that's where everything just, just, just went bizarre, my whole system, which I, I still have questions which I haven't had answers as yet, uh, especially on the, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, what we are actually using in terms of uh, testing and so forth, how safe uh, would we gladly walk in there with an assurance that when you walk out of uh, that environment, you are not somehow affected by these uh, by these testing uh, um, by these testing uh, I mean uh, particles. But over and above, I'm really glad that uh, we, I have made it. And uh, also hasten to say that Cote um, uh, d'Ivoire immediately when uh, they realized what I'm going through, uh, we have a team of doctors actually who've been working and developing uh, a medication towards, uh, towards the uh, towards the COVID-19. 
and immediately they dispatched medication that actually reached me on, on time. And uh, I, I started to take the medication, which worked wonders within a very short space of time. And now I can gladly say that I am clear of the, I mean, the variant, I'm clear of the COVID-19. And uh, I, I, I then put a challenge to, to, I'm sorry if I'm taking much of your time, Peter. No, no, you have the topic. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm really challenging Africa. I'm really challenging Africa. I was in pain when, when I was watching the, uh, the former African Union chair, uh, who is the president of the Republic of South Africa, on the 26th of January, when he pleaded, maybe I can um, quickly share with you here. Uh, right. Yes, when he pleaded with the rest of the world, uh, especially within the rich countries, let me just uh, quote his, uh, uh, his, his, his quote here. I quote, uh, the, 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 the president accused the richer countries of holding vaccines to the exclusion of countries that most needed it. I'm sure in our, in our discussion, uh, Mr. Allen alluded that uh, we have challenges in Africa, we have challenges in South Africa, where even our frontline workers, they haven't actually had an opportunity to, to, to be vaccinated. So he said, I quote, rich countries in the world are holding and we are saying, release the excess vaccines that we have ordered and hoarded. There is no need for a country which perhaps has about 40 million people and acquires about 100 million doses or 160 million doses. And yet the world needs access to those vaccines, uncaught. So I, my, my, my plea, as well as I, 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 as I was watching him on the television, I said, Africa, it's high time to wake up and smell the coffee. It is high time from the day one when we had the first uh, registration of the COVID-19. We were supposed, or the chair of the African Union was supposed to call upon an agent meeting with his lieutenants in Africa and develop a vaccine. It doesn't mean that Africa doesn't have scientists. It doesn't mean that Africa doesn't have doctors. We do have most qualified personnel in the world. Why can't we develop our own mechanisms that will talk to us, that will drive our own agenda and move away from the situation where we are on the receiving hand. So that's my plea as well that African leaders it's high time to wake up, smell the coffee, and get things done. Let's do our own, I mean, vaccines. Let us do our own, I mean, uh, medication in Africa so that we are able to save 
millions of people who are dying now because of this uh, COVID-19 we are experiencing. Covered, I think people would really uh, like to hear a little bit about when you got sick. What were you sick in South Africa or sick in the Ivory Coast? It wasn't clear to me. Where were you when you got no, sick? No, no, I, I was sick in South Africa. In South Africa, so you didn't get to the Ivory yeah, Coast. Yeah, before I even flew to Ivory Coast. So you did, okay, so when you, after you discovered that, was it just flu-like symptoms? Or tell us a little bit about what it was like to go through the sickness experience on a personal level. Okay, look, like I said that when I went for my testings, I did not have any symptoms. Right. I went there so that I can get a clearance certificate that will then enable me to travel out of the country. Right. But when I got my results, that's when I started developing flu-like symptoms. Right. That's when I started coughing. That's where I actually lost my appetite to the yes. extent that um, I could not actually eat. Yes. I had to force myself so that I keep stronger. That's yes. when I then received medication from Ivory Coast. That is actually- Oh, they sent the medication from the Ivory Coast. Yes. I see, I see. And when you, um, uh, we heard that you weren't able to speak for a while. Is that true or? That's true, Doc. Because every time when you open your mouth, you start coughing and uncontrollable. So there was a time where I couldn't actually even, I've actually learned so much sign languages at home because we'd be communicating on sign languages. Now, now uh, Cuthbert, when you went through uh, this, so you said you developed fever uh, and, and you took a medication. I found that part quite interesting. Can you tell us more about what you went through and what this medication was you were taking? Um, look, it's, it's a variant of organic, um, may, maybe, maybe to, let me hasten to indicate that statistically, when you look at, especially in Africa, especially in South Africa, where I am based, our statistics has indicated that 90% um, of people who are dying, they are dying in hospitals. And 75% and, 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 uh, who are surviving this pandemic, they are you surviving. Did not go to the hospital. Quarantined at home, whereby they actually get the organic um, in, uh, particles that actually assist their immune systems. So, Cutbrick, you, you did, did not, not you did not go to the correct? Did not go to the hospital. Stayed at home. Right? Did you stay at home? Oh, yes, yes, I, st I was confined at home. Right. That's and, good. And, and when you just recognize also um, the gentleman yes. who is just speaking is Dr. Taleb Refai. And um, of course, he's um, um, one, um, <laughs> the, uh, the mentor for all of our organizations um, and patron and uh, board member and everything else. Uh, goes around uh, Talib uh, uh, Rifai, who was the former Secretary General for the UNWTO. And without him, 
I don't think any one of us would be sitting here. Welcome, Talib. Appreciate it. As far as I know, you're joining thank you, us thank you, from Thomas. Amman, thank Jordan this time. That's right. That's right. I got vaccinated yesterday. Oh, oh congratulations. Good. Thank, thank you so you. much, Dr. Talib. It's good to meet with you after a long break. Finally, 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 Kevin. Good to see you. Thank you. Praise thank God. You so Praise much. God. I thank God that you're, you're still up and running and you're stronger than you were before. What you said was absolutely oh, yeah. correct. Yeah, Africa must really wake up to the call. And, yes, and I, I really you're right. Everybody's prayers as well. Yes, and, and we were all uh, with you. And, and I think what, what is an important, uh, I wanted to get an important message out of it, hopefully at the end of the call, after we can also open up for questions. And this <clears> is the need for people to stay disciplined and focused, I hope. I hope uh, this would be the outcome. It's about mask wearing and all these things we're getting into. Before we get to our second guest, um, Alain Sanganja in the Seychelles, I wanted to recognize and maybe give the microphone first to uh, Zine um, Nukwana, and I pro probably pronounce, I know you very well, but uh, your, your last name is very difficult for a German to pronounce. And um, Zine is uh, in charge of uh, communication and is a, also a board member of the African Tourism Board. And she had her own experience with the virus, which is quite terrifying. And I don't know what you, if you want to uh, share anything, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, why, don't I, uh, why don't you say a few words in it? Um, yeah, good evening. Uh, thank you so much, Yekin. Um, uh, my apologies, I cannot be on video at the moment. Um, hi, Chairperson, it's good to see you. Um, and, and welcome back. Uh, though you and I stay, you know, just a kilometer or so apart, but I haven't seen you in, in such a long time. I'm happy that you are here. Uh, my apologies, I cannot be on video. I'm not feeling very uh, well at the moment. No, uh, Dr. Talib, I, 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 I did not particularly um, get infected. But I think I'm one of those people, those millions of people here in the world who have been affected by the effects of, of COVID. I suppose what Jürgen uh, wants me to share really is the fact that I have lost so many members of the family as well as friends, um, of course, due to succumbing to COVID. Um, it, this is one of the reasons why I cannot be on video because it's, it's a very emotional topic for me. I am counting now um, to, to date, roughly about 25 to 26 people that I have known, grown up with, others, family members, friends, and colleagues who have succumbed to death, uh, to COVID. So therefore, those are the people that we have buried. And I think one of the things that are very, very sad about this is the inability to attend the funerals of your loved one because That's you right. are not supposed to go there. Um, you watch, and this is very, it's a taboo. It's actually very, very uh, uh, tough, particularly for us as, as Africans, um, more so in, in, in my culture. You, you need to be there for each other when something like this happens. So for us to be watching funerals on YouTube, on Zoom or whatever platform that gets to be used is something that is just, not on at all. You don't get the closure. Um, just a week or so ago, I remember I told all of you, um, yeah, again, Dr. Taleb, Aline, Dr. Peter, and, and all of you, I told you about my brother, my brother, my cousin brother that I've lost. 
That's and right. I could not I could not breathe at all because we had just buried his other brother. And before that, we had just buried my aunt. So it, it, it's, it's, it's something that is just, you don't get a chance at all to grieve. Um, you don't get a chance at all to even understand what is happening around you at all. It's, it's death upon death upon death. And, and you, you literally, as your head is spinning and you don't know how to deal with all these emotions because you are alone inside your house or, or those people who stay alone. Like I'm, I have a family, husband and two daughters, but those who stay alone, you can imagine because you're just all by yourself and have to watch the funerals of the loved one. So what I would say to people, the, the, this is not a joke. If you have not um, suffered a loss through um, what COVID has done, the devastation that this causes, I'm not sure if we're ever going to recover from it. Um, I suppose one would have to go for counseling um, uh, because it, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense that there's somebody who's dying almost on a daily basis. You feel like Zina. screaming? You? Yeah. Yes. Zina, have you tested, have you tested yourself? Yes, I have tested quite a number of and times. It's negative. Always, and it's always come up I mean, negative. I suppose That's good. That's because good. I don't go to the funerals. I don't go, I don't, I don't mix with the people. I think the Take last funeral that I attended was, was, was with my other cousin brother. Um, the one that, if, if you recall, Yekin and, and Kat, but I think it was around October, so that's the last funeral that I went to. And, and he did not die of COVID, that one. Um, but again, still, we, we only had to be 50 people in the family, but now everybody else who's been passing away for now, I have not, I have not gone to any, you know, to any funeral, to any mm -hmm. gathering. And that's the other thing, because you just feel isolated in your house. Or in, in, in your place. So th this thing is not a joke. People should really do exercise social distancing. People should really put their masks on. People should just stay away from going to any of the gatherings. I have not been to church. I'm a Christian. I have not been to church for over a year or so. And you miss those things. So therefore, um, you, you just feel all by yourself mm -hmm. with all this debt. I, I'm writing down the names of everyone who's passing away that I have not been able to, to bury. That's why I know the number is about 26 now at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've never experienced in my life. And all this happened just one year. One year. I remember what it's like. I, uh, last uh, April, my mother died. Mm -hmm. I had to do a funeral on Zoom. And I've still, she's in New, was, she died in New Jersey, and I still have not been able to get to New Jersey in order it's, to visit her grave. So I think you and I spoke a lot about how Black and Jewish culture are so similar. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the, the, what we have in common, and how in both cultures, the fact that you're used to having large funerals and people coming yeah. together and yeah. hugging yeah. and being with each other, yeah. and now yeah. we are living Zoomatic lives. It's, it's, it's something, I'm not sure how to recover from this one though, at all, really, truly speaking. I know quite a number of people whom I've been working with, um, I've kind of become very aloof and very distant, and I'm not doing it on papers. This is the thing people need to understand. You don't do it on papers when you just want to keep quiet and just be alone. You're not doing it on papers. You just sit there all by your lonesome self. And you, you, you can't, every time the phone rings, I actually have written something because I also write all my thoughts in my journal. I, I've, I've become 
to hate my phone because it brings bad news. When, when messages come through my phone, be it WhatsApp or any of the messages, I, you, I literally just want to hide away from the phone. But at the same time, that's the, that's the only <clears throat> means of communication to get to know that a friend, a relative, um, you, you know, a family member. Um, again, in the, for us as Black people, you know, the, the term relatives is not, we, we don't really have extended family as such. Um, so everyone that you are related to becomes a family because we, 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 we're used to growing up um, in large families. Um, this whole thing of, of having the nuclear family and, and having you and your husband and, and your kids alone, doesn't it? this is a taboo, this is something that's new that has been brought by, mm. um, you know, the transformation and, and whatever the civilization, whatever that you may call. But we, we grew up in large families in the townships and the rural areas. And the people who have passed away, those are the people that I know that I grew up, that I consider as family. And I lost my mother at a, at a very young age, followed by my father, followed by my brother. So I know what it means to lose very close um, family members. And it takes a while for you to get over that. that actually, it never, you never get over it. You, you just, with the time, the pain gets better. You learn to deal with it. And when I lost all these other people, that is my parents and my, and my brother, at least it was years apart and I could deal with the grief. But now it was a person upon person upon person. I'm still rewinding, going back to April when all the deaths started happening to now about 26 or so people, I, I, it, it really, really, really hurts. And I would like people to understand that the, the devastation that, gets, that you feel because of this pandemic is something that we'll never recover from. So I thought I could just share that. And, and again, my apologies that I, I, I refuse to be on video because I get emotional. I am emotional as I'm speaking and I'm trying <laughs> for you guys not to remember me well. so, with yeah. a face that's crying. I, th I think my photo, they, um, they see me smiling, they uh, at least remember me like that, not, not the way that I feel right now. And um, again, when it comes to econ economically, the things that we have, we are suffering uh, because of the lockdown, no businesses, no income, even if you, you were to want to go to these funerals, would not even be able to afford to go there. So there's a number of things that this pandemic has done. Here in South Africa, we are really seeing a lot and a lot of, of um, they, we even have got the strain that these people say that it originates from South Africa. But what we have picked up is that um, people are um, getting effect, infected much faster than the original strain. On a daily basis, you hear news of somebody who has passed away. Yes, so I'd like to leave everybody with that and say, please be careful, always wear your masks. Um, minimize going out. If you have to go out, it has really to be necessary to just go and buy the essentials. Uh, because when you die, your family, and I know I'm talking as part of a family a member that has been um, caught up in this, the pain, <laughs> too much to bear. Thank you so much. And, and Zina, thank you. Thank you so much uh, thank uh, you, for being so brave to come forward because I know yes. it, it must have not been easy to share this with the public. And uh, you're an amazing uh, woman. I think so many of us can learn from you. And, and this virus 
again, everyone sees as so much bigger than economy and the travel business and whatever business we're in. It's, uh, it's affecting lives. It, it's a life and death decision. And sometimes these decisions are not easy. But there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel now. And um, I know three of um, you, at least, maybe more, already experienced the first step to um, beating this virus with, uh, with a vaccine. Um, and I wanted to go to Alain Sankdan. Alain, of course, uh, for those that don't know Alain, and I think everyone does because he's very public, uh, but Alain was the former Minister of Tourism uh, for the Seychelles. Uh, he's uh, the president of the African Tourism Board, and uh, he has been very outspoken, traveled around the world, uh, known everywhere. And uh, Alain, it's late for you. I know it must be like 10.30 in, in, in Seychelles. And... Uh, the ocean waves are telling you to go to sleep. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Jorgen. I think before starting, I want to wish Cuthbert well. We are happy that you've survived it. And you are one man from Africa that shows that we can beat the virus when we put our minds to it. I see a lot of messages coming in, Cuthbert. Which medication did you take? And it'll be good for you to tell our audience a bit later what you got from uh, from Cote d'Ivoire for you to be able to, to get better in one go. But when Cuthbert was making his presentation, he said, Africa, wake up and smell the coffee. He made me smile. Smile because today I think what we have to do is to tell the community of nations, Africa, and everybody in the community of nations, wake up, yes, but get the little feeling of the injection, the vaccine. We must be taking the vaccine. I know I reacted badly. I reacted very badly when I took it some two weeks, three weeks ago, the first dose of it. And I'll get the second dose on the 2nd of March. I reacted badly, had fever, had, uh, could not eat. But some people react worse than others. I've got friends that had no reaction whatsoever from the same vaccine. I could not take the, the Chinese one that was the first one being distributed in Seychelles, but I got the AstraZeneca, uh, the Oxford one that we got from India. And that, uh, that those is for people that has reached a mature age. And for, for people that had reached that age, we had to take something that was convenient for the el most aging population. But having said that, I took it. Today's Seychelles, probably, of the continent of Africa, is one lucky country, one lucky state of Africa. We have, uh, to reach the herd immunity, we need to get to 70%, 70,000 people of our population. So we have today in the island, already vaccination is taking place, where we've got 25,000 of the Sinopharm from China and 25,000 of the AstraZeneca coming out of India, the Oxford one, which puts us at 50,000 people that will be vaccinated out of the 70,000 that we need to get herd immunity. We are on the right track to put COVID behind us, but we still need, even in Seychelles, that we've all, most people now have had their first dose, we still need to get the second dose. It is very important, otherwise it dilutes the effectiveness of having taken the first dose. But my appeal, 
I mean, now that I have a vaccine, I did, uh, I succumbed to it initially, but I popped up very well just after getting ready for the second dose is for everybody who can get the vaccine, take the vaccine. But let us be also prepared until we get the vaccine. And between the first and the second dose of the vaccine, we need to ensure that we wear the mask, we practice social distancing. I think what Zina said earlier, we have to change the norm of our living habits. We can't go to church, yes. We can't go to funerals, we all suffer with this. But we need to save our lives, the lives of our family, the lives of our community. So it is important, very important, that what the health practitioners are telling us, the public officers of the Ministry of Health, when they say social distancing, we must all observe it. When they say wear a mask, we must all do it. It is so important for Africa, for me, for Seychelles. It is so important for the community of nations from right across the world to say that we need to change habits and to be prepared to be conscious that our effort, the single effort of a person will help save members of his own family and members of the community. Let us work together. Today, the news coming out of Europe was saying how health practitioners, nurses especially, in some countries of Africa, were not getting adequate vaccines themselves. As we appeal to the world that the vaccines, we mustn't hoard a vaccine. We'll have it, it'll go stale very fast after that. Let us make sure if we are going to open travel, because we are all in the travel industry, we need vaccination to be applicable. Seychelles will open its doors very soon, <clears throat> as soon as herd immunity has arrived to the islands. But we need the world also to be vaccinated because kids, school kids are still not vaccinated because we don't have a, a vaccine for them. We need to ensure that vaccination is practiced around the world. Today, we are rated probably as an island, as a group of islands, as number three after Israel, and I forget who is the second one. There are three, maybe London, England itself, three countries have been spearheading the vaccination at full speed ahead. Seychelles, I'm proud that we are part of this. But the world needs to be vaccinated if we are going to put COVID behind us. I wish you continued health, Cupbird. Zina, I feel for you. And I know a lot of us feel what you are all feeling because we have somebody in the family somewhere who's fallen sick or walked passed away. But it is holding hands together as a community of nations that we will be able to get through COVID, put it behind us, and reopen tourism that is so needed to put money in the pockets of our fellow citizens. Thank you very much, and let's have a good discussion tonight. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Alain. And uh, before we go to um, Peter and maybe also um, Talib to hear about their experience with the vaccine, um, uh, one quick question. Uh, we had a very controversial story last night, what involved the Seychelles and involved Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Um, a, a tour operator in Germany announced uh, that they're working on vaccine tours. And it included uh, these three countries. 
including the Seychelles, um, to accept visitors to come to their countries, um, stay in luxury hotels, have a great vacation, and also get the vaccine. Um, and, and of course, we all need to get the vaccine eventually. And, and countries, as you said, that are able to develop herd immunity, that's what we're all striving to. And Seychelles is on the best way as maybe one of the very first countries to do that. Of course, it's a business model because immediately it would get your hotels full on rack rates and maybe even more uh, tourism is coming back. And um, it was said these activities are not taking the vaccine away from the local population. So it may be something good. So I'm just wondering, um, you heard probably the same story. Maybe you don't know enough about it, but I'm just wondering if you had any feedback on this. But, but I think, Jogan, yes, I, I read the story. But the, the public health announcements and the regulations for Seychelles to open up so towards March, as soon as herd immunity has been reached, that is 70% of the adult population. We are hoping, Seychelles is hoping, to open its borders. Open it, but for everybody who's had a vaccine before and who's been tested negative. Once you've done that in your own country, and this is where my appeal, and probably somebody like you, or Cuthbert, or even Taleb, we have now to push to have a little passport, a COVID passport, a bit like we have for yellow fever, to say that I've been vaccinated and it is an official one, that we don't start finding so many bits of papers flying around. But visitors to Seychelles will require the vaccine to have been taken, the first and second dose, because it is useless having just one dose and coming here, and having a test done before coming to Seychelles. Yes, after that, there's, there's no quarantine, there's nothing after this, you go into your hotel, and you enjoy yourself. But vaccination will be an important uh, ingredient for you to travel to Seychelles. Yeah, no, and, and of course, we, uh, this is a very um, interesting move. And I think this might be, Seychelles might be setting a trend <clears throat> for other destinations to stay safe. But the vaccine, getting the vaccine in a destination is something different. We may just have to follow the news and see um, how this goes, where this goes, if it's done, how it can be done ethical, uh, because that is important, um, and how it could actually benefit the world, possibly benefit tourism, and to make it a win-win for everyone. But let's go to Talib, and, and thank you, uh, Talib, for joining us. I know you just returned from Spain to Jordan to get the vaccine. That's right. Thank you so much, Jorgen. First of all, I want to congratulate Catherine for being with us. Catherine, it's good to hear your voice again. I was hesitating to call you because I knew you were not speaking well. But it's good to see you. Good to see you're giving all these good advices. And Zine, you know how much I respect you. Zine, I think what you're suffering from is very understandable to all of us. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your very personal and intimate stories. Now, I want to differ with, with, with Alan a little bit. I won't put so much hope on vac vaccination. I've been one of the lucky ones to get vaccinated here in Jordan. The day after I came, I arrived back. I arrived back three days ago. Two days ago, I got the vaccine. I'm feeling okay so far, but I still need to wait for three weeks. The 3rd of March is my second vaccine, as yours, uh, Adam. But the point is this, 
the world will not be able to travel unless the whole world is vaccine. In other words, it's not enough to have one country or two countries do that on their own. That's the problem with the, with the international system nowadays. What Jorgen was referring to is ethics, how ethical it is to have some countries being able to vaccine some people, some other countries not being able to do that. That's not right, that's not fair. I mean, we need to be equal in this. It's humanity that's at stake. And travel and tourism is, is the essence of humanity because it connect, connects people together. You can't go from one country, that one destination that's not vaccinated, another destination that's vaccinated, like seashells. You can't do that. So only the select people would go. That's not ethical. I'm not sure about the vaccination now. I, more, I put more my bet on the testing part. I think testing must become more accurate, more affordable, more re reachable, more easy to get. And the world must come into harmony in this. For example, many countries now are adopting system of 72 hours before you travel, you must be vaccinated. Then you could, you could test it. Then you could test again. When I came from Spain to Jordan, I tested before leaving 72 hours and I tested again at the airport in Amman, Jordan. And I'm negative in both. I'm a very lucky person. At 72, I'm very lucky to be like that. But the point is testing is very, very important. We have not yet bypassed the hurdle of testing before we go into vaccination. People are not vaccinating now because either they don't can't get their hands on a vaccine or that they don't believe in the vaccine. Unless that hurdle is passed, Alan, can't put all our hopes on the, vac on the vaccine. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted to say now. Thank you so much, Jürgen. I'd be interested in hearing everybody else's remarks on this one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now finally, let's go to Peter. He also got the vaccine and uh, he will tell you his story. Yeah, I'm a little bit different from um, both Alan and from Talib that I've already had the second vaccine. So when you get the second vaccine, you get a card like this that indicates that you have been fully vaccinated. So that's the good news. Um, I'm very lucky I live in the state of Texas and Texas has done an extremely wonderful job at uh, getting vaccines to really almost everybody. It, it, they're doing a really good job. Now, I really think there's three levels that we have to think through. Testing is good. The problem with testing is that you can be tested in 48 hours after you're tested within those 72 hours, you can get sick again. So it's, it's a help, but it's only a help. I think one of the areas we haven't spoken about is that of the need for therapeutics. Because no matter how much you test, people are going to get sick. And if you have therapeutics, and I think that's what saved our friend Cuthbert, um, whatever those therapeutics are, that gives hope that it goes from a disease that kills to a disease that is manageable. And then of course, the third part of that is to have, um, uh, the third part of that of course is to have uh, vaccination. So you wanna have- Peter, um, you mean treatment? Not, yeah, so you, you mean wanna treatment? Have, yes. So one is hmm. testing, two is therapeutics means treatment. In other words, that I can give you some sort of medication should you get sick. And thirdly, of course, is you wanna prevent people from getting sick. So those are really three parts 
that need to work together as a as a um, as a, uh, a, a a plan to, to help eliminate it. Now, in my case, I was very lucky. Um, I did. Most people do not have a lot of trouble with the first vaccination. It's the second vaccination that's a little bit rougher, and you can think of that as somebody punched you in the stomach, but your stomach is still pretty strong. But this, but you're now kind of recovering from being punched, and now you get the second punch. But that, which vaccine did you take? Which vaccine had, did you take? I had Moderna. Moderna. Yes. Um, in the United States, either, as in Europe, they're yeah. using most are using either um, Pfizer or Moderna. Or Moderna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moderna is a little bit less unstable. Pfizer needs to be kept at 17 degrees below zero Celsius. Um, Moderna is an easier vaccine, especially in places where um, it's uh, you don't have the refrigeration necessary to keep it. So um, I, I had the Moderna, both Moderna and Pfizer on the second shot. Now notice, please, I've said the second shot, not the first, give you about 95% protection which is incredibly wonderful in comparison, say, to a flu vaccine, which is between averages 40%, but it could be as low as 30% or as high as 50%. So it's a much more effective vaccine than the flu vaccine, which yeah. is in flu is also Corona. So they're both, uh, you know, within the same family. So these are really good vaccines. Um, whatever you, vaccine you get is better than no vaccine. I believe AstraZeneca is about 70%. So now there's a second booster for AstraZeneca, which will then get it up to the 90%. But again, 50% is better than zero. Uh, the second one may hurt more, but then it's again, it's it's a crapshoot on some level. Some people, I had an arm that hurt, but nothing more. Some people um, feel they have very bad flu-like symptoms as Elaine described, especially on the second shot. And some people have nothing at all. And what's ironic about this is it has nothing to do with your body size or your age. I know people who are very sm uh, small women who are in their 90s had no problems at all with the vaccine and big, strong men, you know, but they were in their 60s. But, you know, people maybe uh, who are quite tall and quite muscular, they were just knocked uh, to, to the bed because of the vaccine. So. You have to, so there's no real way of, it's, it's your genetic makeup, nothing more than that. Having said that, I really want to emphasize what Alain said, and that is get vaccinated. If you can do it, do it. And we need to get as many vaccines out to as many places as possible. And that means one of the things we need to do is to develop, um, is to license other countries to produce these vaccines. So for example, um, Talib, you know also that uh, the Teva Corporation in Israel is now going to be start producing vaccines, which will be used for the whole Middle East. And so again, that will, know that. Produce, that will produce over 40 million new uh, uh, vac vaccinations for people across the Middle East. That's a really important area. The same way that can be done in Africa, can be done in Asia, can be done in Latin America. We haven't discussed Latin America at all, but Latin America is really suffering. You have well over a million people in Mexico City who are right now infected. Um, Brazil has running out of oxygen because they don't have, I don't mean the oxygen in the air, but the oxygen they give you if God forbid you go to the hospital. The, um, so that you have real problems across the world. 
And in order to solve those world problems, we have to work as a world community. And that means um, licensing, not seeing this as a money-making institution, but rather as a institution for the goodness of the world. And to, we're all on one ship, we're all on Noah's Ark. So we need to work hard together to make sure that people go. So again, three stages. One, yes, I get tested. Two, we need very strongly to work on um, new ways to come up with therapeutics, with medications. And lastly, the armament around our bodies, which is the vaccine, give that to as many people as possible in as many places as possible in order to create world herd immunity. I didn't suffer much. Um, other people I know have suffered, but the real issue is get vaccinated. I cannot emphasize that enough because that will help to prevent the suffering that Zinde's gone through or Cutbrick's gone through and um, we can come out on the other side. Thank you, Peter. And, and I see there are a lot of questions, but what I think we wanted to do is I wanted to give Cuthbert the microphone a little bit to weigh on and everything we discussed. And uh, after this, I have some specific people they may not know. I wanted to ask something, and this goes more into the type of mask and other things. But Cuthbert, the microphone is yours. Thank you so much, Jürgen, and thank you so much uh, to the leadership of African Tourism Board. I still want to emphasize that the, the ground is not level. And I have actually noted that Africa has been put on the top, uh, on the backdrop of any event that is going on. And it's unfortunate, as, 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 as Dr. Taleb has indicated, that when you talk of COVID-19, and it's all about connectivity, you cannot shift the blame to another continent. It will come back and, and haunt you in the near future. And that's why my emphasis is for Africa to wake up and this dependence syndrome, we have so much inherited. It is reflective, it's a reflective now. That is why in Africa, South Africa in particular, uh, Dr. Peter, you had, I mean, talking about the AstraZeneca, uh, I mean, uh, that you have, I am not sure the quality of that vaccine is it the same quality with what is being dumped in Africa. We are sitting, we are sitting here with, with, with massive stock that has been paid for by the government, but unfortunately only realizing that uh, the expiry part of it, it's almost there. And, and, and the expiration date is another headache, especially to Africa, as the very same vaccine rollout was put on hold by the government because of the findings that the Zeneca vaccine was not effective against mild and moderate COVID-19 infections from B1351 variant. So my plea is Africa must wake up, develop your own mechanisms on protecting your own citizens. I mean, when, 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 when it is found that the vaccine only offers about 22% protection from, I mean, uh, 
infectious caused by the by the by, by the virus, and and it's 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 so sad. And uh, I was actually, I mean, observing and and, and making a follow up on the WHO. They are endorsing and saying, "No, it's Africa, take this vaccine. It is safe for you to to take it." So I'm still very much worried, colleagues, that as the tourism sector, I think we, we need to play our role in saying, colleagues, if we are saying we are now a, a, I mean, I mean, a, a global community, what do we mean by that? Do we mean by excluding other continents? But in essence, if we are true to ourselves, that we are a global community, we need to walk the talk. Let's come together. Let's make sure that anything that affects Africa, it will affect the Caribbean. Anything that affects I mean, Australia, it will affect Africa. We are in a predicament where we would really appreciate if, if there is sympathy, especially within the global community, please let's walk the talk. But to our African leaders, my plea, please wake up. Wake up. A lot of people who are not supposed to be dying. They are dying because of our negligence, because of our, our interest within the conglomerate pharmaceutical companies that are benefiting from all these activities. So it is high time for us. Please, let's regroup together and talk with one voice and make sure that we implement some of uh, some of these discussions we are we are we we are, we are doing again and and uh, Cuthbert, uh, your, your i think your points are so well taken and so important and you really speak the voice of africa here i think i'm not african but i've worked with you on african tourism yeah. board and i think you have so many good arguments i think that needs to be um applied maybe not only to Africa, but also to uh, many other regions in the world. And I, I wanted to get to a subject we um, we had covered also on, on eTurbo News extensively, and there is a lot of different um, opinions about this. Here in the United States, to come back home here, the um, CDC is uh, recommending for people to wear masks, like everyone else in the world. That's a good thing. Okay, so finally, we also have an administration that not only wants masks, they want double masking. So we're now supposed to double up on masks. What's also a good thing. But I think we're overlooking something. What I'm very appalled of, and this goes more to a US issue, is that in the United States, it is completely okay to wear cloth masks. And I know in many regions in the world, this is also okay. And there's an exception, and I'm very proud of this exception as a German or German-American, and that's why I wanted to give it to Wolfgang Hoffmann in, in Dusseldorf. And he may not be an expert, but he's in Germany, so he can fill us in. Uh, Germany, I think, was one of the first countries requiring FFP2 masks. Uh, these are masks similar to what we know in the United States under N95, in Korea under N94, or in China under KN95 masks. What these masks are doing, they're not only protecting others, like surgical masks or in a, to a lower extent cloth masks, they're also protecting yourself. And I'm very angry, I have to say, and I'm very appalled 
that our health department in the US is um, not seeing this and actually say, oh, we don't need the N95 mask. And they only say this because they say there is not enough protection, but there is protection on the Chinese side. People, it all becomes political. So I'm just wanted to hear from Wolfgang, if you maybe have any background, you live in Germany and you just extended your lockdown till March 4th or March 7th. And there is a requirement on certain masks. Am I correct on this Wolfgang? Yes, Jürgen, good evening to everyone. Uh, it's um, at the beginning, everything was allowed, scarves, everything. The only thing you had to tie it to, to your head, you could not hold it, a piece of cloth uh, uh, in front of your nose. And uh, since about, uh, I think, six weeks, uh, they say they asked for a medical mess, a medical mask. The medical mask, I just went out to get some, is either this, that's what we call the mask doctors are wearing for operations as well. Or the FFP2 is this one. And, and Wolfgang, maybe if I interrupt you there, um, there is a big difference. And I wanted to clarify this because we um, also reported about it. The medical mask, we call it surgical mask. It's really only protecting the other party. It's not protecting yourself. The only mask that is protecting yourself is what you call in Germany the FFP2, what we call the N95 mask. And it's a big yes. difference between the two. Yes, it's a it's it's a difference, but there are new discussions now that uh, if you really want to protect yourself, you have to carry to wear the FFP3 mask, and uh, the FFP2, uh, it's is thicker than the other one, but the virus is so small, nanomillimeters, that it passes the FFP2 as well. It protects you more from the aerosols, from the humidity when you speak. But uh, if the virus is touching the mask, it passes FFP2 as well. It's more protection than, than the, the uh, surgical mask, but not real protection. If you want to have more protection, you would have to wear FFP3. What, what I do now, uh, I wear, and some airlines, funny enough, Lufthansa, for instance, said um, uh, you can wear the uh, surgical mask. Uh, no use to wear the FFP2 mask because we have such a good ventilation system in the airplane. KLM said you have to wear FFP3, FFP2 mask and three of them on a long distance flight. So every th three hours uh, you have to change and get a new FFP2 mask. So. Uh, Nothing is really, really very safe. Uh, and, and one thing is uh, it's more difficult to breathe with the FFP2 mask. Uh, I did uh, last year, I did some flights to Rome, to Croatia. These are two, three hours uh, uh, flights easily with a surgical mask. I would not do a long distance flight with the FFP2 mask because it's much more difficult to breathe uh, with a with a FFP2 mask. So uh, there's uh, a lot, lot of different opinions on this. 
but it's for sure that the FAP2 mask does not really protect you against uh, the virus. It protects the other one, right? The surgical mask protects the surgical the mask, one. not the FFP2. The FFP2 no, protects better. Wolfgang is right. If you can smell something, then you're not getting full protection. So what he's calling the FFP2 is not fully protecting you. Uh, yeah. It's not much different than a surgical mask. Um, it's been sold that way, but it's not true. Okay. And the FFP3 might do a better job, but an easy way to figure this out is if you go to a supermarket and you can smell um, the fruits and vegetables, if it can get through, then the virus can get through. And that's a very good point. I mean, I think the, what we really learn out of this, that there, a mask is not a mask. And we have to, as much as we have to educate ourselves what the best vaccine is, the best medic, uh, medication, we need to educate ourselves what is the best mask. Otherwise, we might have all the best intention to protect ourselves and protect others. And we're not doing a good job and don't even know about it and put others in harm's way. And um, Wolfgang, thank you very much for, for this clarification. And uh, I think it's equally important to up the production of effective masks in the world as it is to up the production on, on vaccine. And of course, if there is a medication specifically, uh, natural medication Cuthbert was talking about, that is also another very, very important point. Um, Jorgen, can I say something before I, sure. I will leave you shortly? But uh, today, nobody is sure the vaccinations that we all are taking, that we are running to take. It'll take months for the world or even years in some area, because I saw today Mozambique said not before five years can they vaccinate everybody. So the duration of the cover that we get from the vaccine. This is something that is being discussed, but no one really knows for sure. They say some vaccines have a lifespan of giving you protection for six months. Others say that some other vaccines have a year. So it is very much a flu shot that you'll have to take again. Can we get some, some clarity on these vaccines? How often we will need the booster? how often we will have to take it. If today there's a scramble in the world to get a vaccine, if you need it again in a year, there'll be a new scramble in a year to try and vaccinate the world. We need clarity. And I think you are one of the best persons to try and push forward so that we all know where we stand. And of course- Alain, is... you're absolutely right. Nobody knows at the current moment what's taking place. The country that has the best data is Israel, as you know, because they have kept incredibly careful data on millions of people. Um, the good news is, at least on the Pfizer vaccine, that of the people who have had both shots, not one shot, both shots, the chances of you getting COVID is 0 0.004. In other words, you're almost totally protected. And that's even for people for older. Now, one of the things that you want to think about is that as we get older- For how long, for how long? Right. Well, we don't know that yet. That's a very good question. We Some people believe, the, the common belief, it'll be at least a year until you need a booster shot. But we, the other part of that is, if you're talking about a 40-year-old, that person's immune system is double the strength 
of a person who's 70. So, but it does appear, and again, these are only appearances, and so any piece of data said today could be wrong tomorrow. It does appear these vaccines are working on immune systems also for older people. And if that's true, that's a real breakthrough. Um, we're not sure yet, but the data appear to be going in that direction. So it looks like most, like most likely it'll be a yearly booster, something like when you get a flu shot, which would make sense because uh, COVID is a coronavirus as is influenza. So they're in the same family. Um, so you probably need a booster once a year, but if we can produce millions and millions of, uh, of doses, then that would be able to do it. The only way to be able to do that is to license the production of vaccines in countries around the world so that uh, you're not importing, but you're actually producing local vaccines. But and that's this definitely is something a the world has to work on. Yeah, and Peter, that's a, such an important part. And I think specifically for Africa, I, I assume Cuthbert would probably agree with you on this. Um, Cuthbert also put on the chat, and I wanted to read this for everyone, and this is not like we're endorsing or not endorsing it, but it did help him. And I think we should all, we should see how we can do some more research on this. And um, I will actually um, share this with uh, Professor Snow White in Serbia who raised her hand. Um, maybe to help with this uh, type of research, but it's the BG, BJ12 uh, developed by a team of researchers uh, by Dr. Diamana from Ivory Coast. So that's what uh, helped Cuthbert, and uh, that's good information. So we're going to stay on this. Now, uh, before we go to Professor uh, Snow White, uh, who is also running our educational uh, group, and she's in Serbia. I wanted to give, and it's maybe just a surprise to also recognize Alexandra in not too far away from Serbia. She's in Montenegro and uh, she's running our global chap our chapter for the Balkans. Uh, Alexandra, how is the situation there? Any, any feedback on what we discussed so far? Welcome, first of all. Yes, yes, thank you very much. Greetings to everybody. I'm glad that you are all well and hopefully things will get better soon. No, no, Starting the situation here, uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed or I could even say angry because uh, it looks like that Montenegro is the most infected country in Europe, which is, uh, which is unacceptable for me because uh, uh, we don't have, uh, we do have measures in place, but nobody's following it. There are no restrictions, there are no uh, penalties for not following the measures. Uh, so everything is so, you know, so I mean, everybody is so confused. And I think the confusion is uh, made by government because uh, they are the one who, who don't, uh, uh, who, who didn't place, uh, who didn't place, uh, I mean, didn't put uh, things in the, in the right order. So uh, we don't have vaccines. So we haven't even we just ordered vaccines like uh, maybe a week ago. We haven't done it till now. Uh, we don't have any any like uh, protection measures or anything. So it's it's just complete madness here in Montenegro, I would say. And of course, uh, on the other side, uh, it's winter season in Montenegro, and uh, first time for last I think three four years we are having snow now and ski centers, actually one or two ski centers that we have, they are packed with the 
domestic and regional tourists, uh, but nobody's uh, following any like measures, protecting, protecting measures, and that's why uh, corona numbers are increasing uh, rapidly. So that's how it is, unfortunately, in, in Montenegro at the moment. Well, thank you, Alexandra, and uh, let, let's stay on this as well and see what we can contribute uh, to make the government of uh, Montenegro maybe more aware uh, to get in step with uh, many other countries in the rest of the world. And Professor Snow White, I know this is not your true name, it's a translation of your name, but it makes it so much easier. And I wanted to just recognize the professor because she has been a guest almost on every single show, uh, on every, I will call it show now, on every single event, it's really not meant to be a show. Um, but uh, Professor Snow White has been outstanding in following up on, on anything and uh, uh, we discussed, and uh, she's also running our new educational chapter, and we're going to have an event f f with the educational interest group better very soon. Welcome and hello to, Ser to Serbia. Good evening uh, to everyone. Uh, I'm listening this about the vaccine, and I agree that we have to be together on a global level because it is very, very important. Uh, I'm uh, very sorry because the uh, situation in Montenegro is like uh, it is. Uh, although Serbia wanted to give something like, I think, 8,000 vaccines as a first aid, uh, Montenegro didn't agree to take uh, our help. Uh, in Serbia, uh, we started uh, vaccination uh, with a small amount of vaccine at the very end of December. And then uh, we realized that uh, we paid about uh, three or four million vaccines, but we are not getting them because something was happened with Pfizer and I don't know what. Uh, they gave us only, let's say, 1% of a vaccine and such things. And then in January, in, uh, in January situation uh, was very good because we brought about a million vaccines from uh, uh, Sinopharm, uh, 500,000 vaccines uh, from uh, Sputnik V from Russia, and we got some Pfizer's vaccines, 10,000, 20,000, like that. We got uh, also uh, last week or this week, I don't know, something like new 50,000 uh, Sinopharm vaccines and 200,000 uh, 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 Sputnik vaccines. Uh, so now we have uh, two groups of uh, people in Serbia. Uh, one group is uh, going for revaccination, another group is going uh, for the first vaccination. Uh, the politic was that uh, the oldest uh, citizens of Serbia uh, uh, are going to get uh, uh, first, uh, they have a priority. Uh, plus 65 plus uh, people in Serbia, they have priorities and a lot of them are vaccinated. So we are, as I can say, very good in vaccination. According to uh, our reports, I think that uh, until the end of uh, February, we will have uh, nearly 1 million people vaccinated and we are uh, second after Great Britain, 
best in vaccination of the citizens. Uh, why it is like that in Serbia? First of all, because we didn't wait for Pfizer vaccine only. Uh, our uh, politicians, uh, they are trying to get uh, vaccines uh, everywhere. And we got, now when I uh, wanted to be vaccinated, I went to internet, I filled this uh, report and they asked me, do I want a Pfizer vaccine, uh, Sputnik V or Sinopharm? And AstraZeneca will come, they say, in about two weeks. So in Serbia, now we can choose between three different vaccines, but we can't, we can say what we want, but uh, uh, before we are vaccinated uh, at the place where the vaccination is going on, there are doctors. First of all, there is a, you have to fill a, a, a paper about all your uh, diseases, if you have them or not, then you have a conversation with, with the doctors and then doctors say which type of a vaccine you can take and then you choose. And I think that it is really, really very good. Also, uh, we had very bad lockdown at the beginning in March and April last year. For example, people over 65, they were about 45 days, they are current in quarantine, 24 hours. Once a week, they could go early in the morning, shops are open only for the people who are 65 plus to go to the, to buy their medicines, to buy uh, all they need, uh, food, uh, beverage and uh, such things. And although some people were angry, it was really very good because we didn't have many mortality during all this from March up to now. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, it is really a very good uh, uh, politics how to deal with, uh, uh, with this pandemic, with this epidemia. Don't forget that in uh, ex-Yugoslavia, we had a very big epidemic shock in 1972 with smallpox. And it was a very big problem at that time. In uh, two weeks, uh, 18 million Yugoslavs were vaccinated in 15 days. So uh, here in this area, uh, in ex-Yugoslavian republics, we have also, we have really, uh, how can I say, Mm, uh, very uh, good institutions who can do that. But uh, the organization is the most, most, most important. So I just wanted to, to, to say that I'm waiting uh, uh, for the vaccination and I'm, I think that I will choose Sputnik V or Sinopharm because as uh, uh, because the Pfizer vaccine, we don't get uh, much of them. Uh, but the Sputnik, Pfizer, and Sinopharm are very good for people over 65. Although at uh, the first time uh, they said that the Russian vaccine, Sputnik V, uh, was up to 60 years old, but uh, the new, uh, how can we say, examinations uh, uh, say that they are uh, also good for people over 65. 
So I will tell you what. No. And of course, the problem uh, is, is there any bad situation after you get the vaccine? Here in Serbia, we didn't have a bad, very bad situation. There's something like, for example, in Belgrade, uh, about uh, 150,000 people were vaccinated. There are 60 people who are having temperature or uh, uh, red dots on the spot where they were vaccinated. But uh, it was, uh, uh, I mean, they have that uh, only 24 or 48 hours and nothing else. So revaccination re is getting on, and then we will see uh, how it is going to be with the people after the revaccination. That is in by, by by Sinopharm, you mean the Chinese vaccine? Sinopharm is a Chinese vaccine. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chinese vaccine uh, uh, is uh, uh, very good. It's That's about one I took. ninety-one percent. That's the one I took. For Pfizer, they say it is 93% good. For Sputnik, something like 92. And for Sinopharm, Sputnik is Russian vaccine. It is something like 92%. And uh, for Sinopharm, uh, Chinese vaccine, they say it is something like 91 or 92% good as well. And, and Professor so uh, White, um, I, I really appreciate you, you mentioning this because depending where you are in the world, you don't hear about some of the vaccines that may be from countries that are not on friendly terms with another country. This needs to oh, not see, be yeah. a poli it needs not to be a political issue. We need to look no, at the no, facts no. and no matter where it comes from, what it is, we have to discuss um, this in a neutral way and, and thank you for contributing. Uh, to this. Yes, yes, Jürgen, I'm, uh, I think that you're very right. We, we don't have to put politics in our health. And uh, I think that we have to uh, see these vaccines, uh, if they are good or if they are not good. For example, uh, Prime Minister of uh, uh, Slovak Republic came uh, two days ago to Serbia to discuss with our Prime Minister uh, what is the best way for vaccination? And they decided, I think, I'm not sure, they decided to have Sputnik uh, uh, V or 5 or Sinopharm. I'm not, I'm not sure, I can't say really, but I think they chose between uh, these uh, two, two uh, vaccines, Russians or uh, Chinese. So politics no out of the politics out of this. And also, I would like to tell you that uh, our people are wearing masks uh, everywhere in the when they are going somewhere inside. And I think 80% of the people are wearing ma masks outside when uh, there are a lot of people around them, of course, in the parks. And when there are not a lot of people, people are not wearing masks. And mostly, uh, these are medical masks. This uh, uh, how can I say a simple surgical one? Yeah. A surgical, yes. surgical ma ma masks because uh, they are very, very cheap and they uh, are good. Professor Snow White, um, what I'm going to tell you, I have not independently verified, but um, I have been in contact with the Medical Association of Peru and they speak highly of the Russian vaccine, but do not speak highly of the Chinese vaccine. Now, again, I have not independently verified that, 
I'm giving you only um, the opinion of one national medical area. What makes me interested about that is Peru is not involved politically. With, uh, yes. So they're, they're just purely speaking from a medical perspective that the Russian vaccine is far superior to the Chinese vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have we have to read a lot about all vaccines because in the different areas uh, they are speaking differently. I think that I I read somewhere I'm not sure now about AstraZeneca in South uh, Africa. I think yes, I yes. don't know. Yes. I think that I read about it. So we have to be very uh, how can I say we have to to read about it and to put away a politics just to see which vaccine is good uh, uh, for the people and uh, for our health, of course. The other thing I want to point out to people is even the question of mass is more complicated than simply a question of health. I think uh, Wolfgang uh, pointed out there's also the question of um, there's also the question of um, cost. And a poor family cannot afford three or four euros per child um, you know, on a regular basis. So governments are going, if we're going to go with a more expensive mask, it is essential that governments provide ways that especially people who are economically challenged are able to afford those masks. Because if not, it will be out, it will not happen. It's just beyond the capability. That's especially true in places like Africa, where there are many, many poor people, and those people may not have the economic capability of buying uh, expensive masks that have to be changed. So that's something that also has to be thought through. It's not just one variant. There's multiple parts in public health, and therefore uh, there's one solution does not fit all problems. There'll be each place is going to have to come up with multiple solutions and undercutting the costs of those masks or teaching people when to use them, when to let them air out or to throw them out um, and, and how to change them. So in that sense, the cloth mask, which may be the least valuable from a purely medical perspective, may be more functional if people will at least use it versus 40% is better than zero. So these are very hard political figure things that have to be thought through and how we're able to get as much protection for as many people as going. I think Wolfgang pointed out that um, the cost was fairly expensive for the uh, best type of the masks. Am I correct? Yeah, and Peter, uh, you are correct. In, in Germany, and I know this from my friend Gunther, we had on an interview who runs a pharmacy in Cologne in Germany. Um, the government is providing six masks of the good ones yes. uh, to their citizens in Germany. And of course, Germany has a lot more money than some other countries. I understand this. And uh, see, that's what he's showing us. An, an what is he showing us? What is, what is well, that it's saying? A, it's an authorization for him to get six free masks from I the good see. ones. Okay? okay. So he has one. And uh, he's, he doesn't look like he's a real poor person, but the, of course, the government has resources. Now, um, Peter, I completely agree with you. Uh, it's better to wear some mask than no mask at all. But what I disagree and what I'm very disturbed of, and this is now maybe more like a, a problem here in the United States, is that the government is not telling the full truth. People 
should be told the truth. You shouldn't yeah. say from the CDC on official papers and still are distracted on their website that you don't really need to have N95 masks, cloth masks and better two cloth masks are okay. This is a blank lie. It's misleading uh, the, the people. At least in the United States, we proud ourselves to be a government by the people, for the people. This is not for the people. It's telling a lie. Affording the mask is a different subject. And I agree with you. And if, if people cannot afford it, and I see people eating from garbage cans across the street where I live, and I live in a very high um, wealthy area, um, you know, it, they may not be able to afford masks that cost three or four dollars, but still we should tell the truth. But anyways, I think we can discuss this and we're getting more into a political issue. And I wanted to open it up just for uh, a few questioning, but before I do this, maybe uh, give it back to Cuthbert because he's our, um, actually this is all about Cuthbert. So I wanted to just get back to him and see if he's any additional comments or should we open it up for questions? Cuthbert, go ahead. No, th th thank you so much, uh, colleagues. I, I think um, the old saying goes, right that uh, prevention is better than than uh, uh, than cure and uh, also in order for us to contribute towards the rebound of our activities economic activities we need to play our part yes let us wear masks yes let us keep social distances but we have scenarios where if you walk in a mall Malls have become super spreading, super spreaders areas for the COVID-19. At the end, at end of the day, most of, especially in Africa, churches have been banned. And but when you walk in the mall, you will, there is no social distance, and you have more than a thousand people moving up and down. I, I think the onus is up to all of us as individuals. Let us play our role. And also when it comes to vaccine, we don't have 100% guarantee that uh, it will definitely turn around the tables. So we need to be, I mean, I mean, precautious. We need to play our leading role. So that is my plea. Let's work together. Thank you very much, Cuthbert. And um, I don't see any hands uh, up, but I'd like to uh, give the floor to anyone who wanted to ask Cuthbert a question or has a comment. Uh, so please just raise your hand. Um, there's a blue button, I believe, on the right side. You can do this. Or if you don't find this button, um, just unmute yourself and ask your questions if there's anything. What's the difference between the N95 and the FFP3. Which one's well, better? Difference. Um, maybe I can I can um, uh, respond to this. Uh, the N95 and the FFP2 mask apparently are very similar to what are. Uh, 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 it's a geographical thing. N95 is a U.S. approved mask. It's it's uh, produced in the United States. FFP2 and FFP3 is produced in Europe. So it's a European version of the same, basically. And then there's a KN95, what is the same version made in China. And I believe I heard also there's an N94, uh, same type of mask, what is produced in South Korea. I think Talib had, uh, go ahead. 
I have just one question for uh, the group that is more involved with the uh, UN. And I'm wondering, this is a global pandemic. Where is the UN role to really be more supportive of uh, distribution for all countries to be more equal? We know that it's not going to be really one-on-one -on -one for each country, but there should be UN, I think. Uh, with that, that is what I'm missing in, this, in every war, in every political issue, UN is more present. Yeah, I don't see that here right now for the distribution. Um, being more equal and addressing the countries that maybe, uh, and we know they are there and a lot of them, they cannot afford it. I would like to hear more about that. Yeah, and since Talib uh, raised his I'd hand, like maybe to. we give it to Talib because uh, he is Thank a former you. UNWTO man. Go ahead, Talib. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's the core of the question here. What is the multilateral system doing? What's the multi-governmental system doing? Nothing at all. This COVID-19 has uncovered the weaknesses of so many of the systems, even the EU, even the United States. There are people that are calling it the divided states now, not the United States. So each state is doing it on its own. And the UN altogether is not, we don't hear any voice, either from UNWTO nor from WHO. WHO, you have to trace them to try to nail them down to do something or say something. Unfortunately, our discussion here has been a very good discussion, I know. But we're speaking as if we're the experts. We're not the experts here. The experts have not spoken about anything yet. What we can do is the following. Just follow what Casper was saying. We need to urge governments to work together because without working together, it's not gonna be solved at all. With vaccine or without a vaccine, we don't work together to put the measures unified in order to never work. Even at the EU, which is supposed to have been working together, they're too late coming into the game now. Each country is having a different regime now. For example, the UK, you have to quarantine, but you go to Spain, go to France, you don't need to quarantine. How can you tra travel from one place to another if you don't unify the systems? That's what I'm trying to say here. I think the international system has to be rebuilt from bottom up, brick by brick. We are not seeing any of the international system operate or working at all. You're absolutely correct, not just the UN, the AU the EU, the Arab League, any, 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 any of these organizations is not really working well at all. Not the UN, definitely not. Thank you so much. And, and thank you, Talib. And I think that's why it's important also, we as a very insignificant organization in the global travel and tourism world that we become a little bit louder. Um, let's, let's get our voice out and as you rightfully say, we're not the experts, but we're not stupid either. You know, so um, I think yeah. uh, everyone these days could become an expert and could motivate experts that can actually make a difference. And thank you, Gisa. What, yeah. what, what matters really, Jürgen, is not what each country is doing on its own. We've heard a good story from Serbia, a bad story from Montenegro. They're neighbors, but that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. Both are not going to produce any results unless they work together. That's the point. We need to raise our voice and say countries must work together, regions must work together, Africa must work together, Europe must work together, Middle East must work together. That's what we should do. That's what our job is. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I don't see any more questions. This is your last chance to raise your hand. Um, 
or say anything. We're way over time, and I see Cuthbert must be exhausted. And I really wanted to thank um, uh, two people specifically. One is Zine for speaking out. She really spoke from her heart, and and this really counts. And I think Zine, you made a big difference um, in what you were saying. And of course, so did Cuthbert. Zine is a wonderful lady. Yes. It's a wonderful lady. And, and, and thank you for this. And, and Cuthbert, of course, for stepping forward. This is the first time all of us are talking to Cuthbert after he was diagnosed with the virus. And I appreciate Cuthbert, you came up in such an open forum and for your pleas, there means so much more um, now, you know, you've been going through this situation and are going through this situation. And I think most important is you, you take care of yourself. Um, you get well 100%. Uh, so you can be back 150 percent um, with the African Tourism Board and and of course with World Tourism Network and all the other initiatives you're involved in. And I wanted to give the uh, two last words uh, to Cuthbert and then Peter can maybe close the session. Before we do this, I wanted to remind everyone this is live on eTurbo News right now. Uh, so you may see us right at this moment. This is live on the ETN uh, social media live stream and and our many different platforms and we'll be repeating this session starting in about two hours from now and uh, you will see it for the next 24 hours well into the weekend so it'll become an important session and when you see it on eTurbo News and it says live it may this is the live session and of course this you don't know but I'll give you the time it's 9 37 a.m here in Hawaii on Friday and this is um, live and when you see it again uh, it's not live, but you can still ask questions. Just go to wtn.travel and click on contact and we'll be able um, to uh, include your questions and maybe to respond to your question. And more important, you should join either the African Tourism Board or World Tourism Network or better both. African Tourism Board, you go to africantourismboard.com. Very important if you're located in Africa. Actually, I want you to join the African Tourism Board. If you're located outside Africa, um, uh, or the extended family for ATP is World Tourism Network. And uh, you join us at wtn.travel, uh, click on register. Also the event will be archived on livestream.travel. So if you uh, remember this, and later on you wanted to watch it, go to livestream.travel. And um, it'll be also on both the WTN and the African Tourism Board website. And I wanted to thank everyone uh, for listening in, watching in. This was a very important discussion. And again, thank you so much. And I give the for, uh, microphone to Cuthbert and then uh, Peter can close it. Good, good, good night. Good morning, better from uh, Hawaii. And good night good to morning. many of you in Africa. Go ahead, Cuthbert. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jekyll. We really appreciate uh, I have been following up to being a very good Good job to keep us together, focused with a positive attitude, with a positive on our way. I have always said, us focus on the horizon. Let us focus on the rainbow that is shining, waiting to put a smile to each and every one of us. We will beat this virus that much. I am 100%. And also, not all that is best comes from out of the continent. 
we've got quite a lot of good innovations that are coming out of Africa. Let us embrace, let us appreciate one another as a global community. I am so glad uh, that the medication actually I have been taking, it's, it's, it's been even exported to the United States and to Europe as well. So we are working on it and uh, I will be engaging with the leadership of African Tourism Board so that we start the research on the, on the actual medication and, and, and see if we could assist and save lives. Colleagues, let us focus on the positive. Let us look beyond the storm that is in front of us and thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your prayers and thank you so much for your positive energies and your goodwill messages that we have been re receiving as a family. And next week, let's go back to business. We have waste, I mean, we have wasted so much time. So I think I'm ready to get things rolling. Thank you so much, colleagues. I really appreciate and please stay safe and keep well and God bless each and every one of us. Thank you, Cuthbert. Peter. Yes, I was thinking that it's February, 2021. And about this time a year ago, we were facing for the first time the reality that COVID was going to be a worldwide phenomenon. And in those days we were really panicked. Um, there's still much work to be done, but we've come a long way in a year's time. A year ago, no one would have believed that anyone would have created a vaccine in under four years. Now it's no longer a question of does a vaccine exist? There's numerous vaccines that exist and it's only a question of getting those shots in arms. That's a whole different ballgame. We had no understanding a year ago about the concept of masks. Now it's a question of not should we wear a mask or not, but which is a better mask to wear. If you look back to where we were a year ago, we were using the exact same techniques that were practiced in Europe in the 16th century during the um, uh, Dark Ages and during the uh, Black Plague. And we hadn't advanced. Public health had gone almost, had accomplished almost nothing in 400 years. In one year, we've taken giant leaps. That doesn't mean everything is perfect. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges. It doesn't mean that we're not suffering. Zine certainly knows that. Cutberg knows that. I know it. Most of us know someone who has suffered. But we are now beginning to see light at the end of the tunnel. And I was thinking um, the first prayer to be said in the Bible was when Moses prayed for his sister uh, Miriam, who was inflicted with a disease they didn't know what it was. And those words were, Elna Rafanallah, dear God, please heal her. Well, I think our prayer needs to be, Elna Rafanallahu, dear God, heal all of us. Help us to recover from those we've lost. Help us to be able to go forward for those who are sick. Help us to be able to rebuild an industry so that together we can come out healed and stronger perhaps than we ever were. And if we can accomplish that, then truly 
this will have been a year of miracles. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>